Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Welcome to the show, Gearheads. Monaco Grand Prix is done, and Daniel Ricciardo has done it. He has won the race. Red Bull Redemption. Exactly. Hey, if you fell asleep there, call the doctor. This was (laughs) awesome. Yeah, that was an an amazing feat for Daniel Ricciardo, just because he had the engine trouble from halfway through the race, and... And maintained the uh, the pace ahead of ahead oh, of Vettel. And- can you imagine the stress? I mean, I was sitting here, you know, hoping for our buddy there to to wind up crossing first. But half the race, he's on pins and needles, hearing every little, you know, rattle, every little <laughs> extra bump. Uh, you know that uh, the stressor, and it's obvious he stayed in the car and parked for May and uh, held his hands over his face. I'm sure it's extremely emotional. Yeah, well, that's the last guys of this. John Massengale and Jonathan Green is not in studio because he's over at the Indy 500. We're going to try to get him on the show yeah, later. What were they doing over there? Soapbox Derby or what? what? <laughs> oh. Yeah, so Red Bull has done it. We had uh, we had suspicions all week long that their car was going to be the fastest. It was the fastest, and Daniel held on through the. Uh, the we don't even know the exact engine problems that they were having, but they were there was pretty much a panic going on. When the car was obviously lost power, I don't know if it was they lost the battery because that would have, you know, if you lose 160 horsepower, that would equate to a pretty big drop like they were experiencing. So we'll find out more as we as we learn more and we'll let you know. But uh, but nice to see uh, Hamilton come over and shake his hand. Uh, They're they're doing the top three on the front straight. David Coulthard interviewing Ricardo right now. Yeah, but uh, so. You know, pretty quiet race, actually. You didn't, uh, we thought we might get through the whole thing without a safety car or any red flag at all. But when Leclerc lost his, uh, uh, lost his, his brakes there. Well, you know, what's interesting is we'll back up just a little bit. I mean, it was almost 50 laps before we lost anyone out of the race. And that was Alonzo with the gearbox. That's true. That's pretty, that's pretty that's, amazing from Monaco. Yeah, that, that is fantastic. But you're right. Uh, the most uh, the most graphic failure, Leclerc's brakes going out, unfortunately taking out Hartley and uh, getting him out of the way. Hartley was actually on the uh, – he was the bridesmaid to getting some points. And so uh, it would have been nice to see him hit those. Yeah. Magnuson does get points for Haas. So great to see that in 10th place. Yeah, that is very surprising, actually. Excuse me. Uh, Magnuson is 10th. In driver standings, I was going to say, wait a minute. Sorry, sorry about that. We'll uh, we'll get back on that. Yeah, I saw but, the graphic uh, and I went, wait a minute, what? 
Yeah, not a great race for Haas, as we expected from this morning. And after seeing qualifying, it was uh, it was not expected to be a good race for Haas. No, you're right, and it played out somewhat as they said. You know, they're uh, they've been dealing with downforce issues, trying to uh, get a handle on that, and it's just not working out. The one thing that uh, stood out for me, driver of the day, do you? Give it to Ricardo because you saw the charge 15 seconds ahead by the third lap, 20 seconds by the fourth. I mean, he was making leaps and bounds on the field. But then uh, Verstappen can't be ignored from coming from the back end of the field. Yeah, I was going to say, do you give it to Verstappen for not crashing and, and <laughs> making his way up through the grid? Uh, Verstappen, yeah. great. You did what you're supposed to do. Not crash. Yeah. But also, obviously, he had a good race, finishing ninth and coming from dead last to finishing ninth. He did have arguably the fastest car on the track. I did not hear, did they have the same trouble with Verstappen? I've never heard anything about that, so I'm assuming they did not. I never heard any issues there. I think yeah. uh, just across the entire field, everybody was having uh, slippery and traction issues and uh, being, being hypersensitive to the hyper tires. Uh, you know, we thought we were only going to see him run 7 to 10, but we saw a few hypers go well up into the high teens. And so uh proved out better than they were saying before the race. So uh, nice to see that. Didn't quite play out. One-stop strategy worked out for some of the teams. Just, uh, again, very well. Well, I did look. Magnuson finished, finished 13th. I was really going to be surprised if he'd finished higher than that, but... Yeah, not a great day for the Haas team. But what about the, uh, you know, the, what about Vettel and and Hamilton second and third? You know, there was talk there of the potential that Hamilton to go back out and try a, uh, a set of tires towards the end there. They even put some of the warmers on the tires there with about, oh, it looked like about 16, 18 laps to go. Yeah, that uh, that's interesting because, you know, Hamilton does not like to lose. I think he did right, though, for the Mercedes-Benz to wind up in the podium contention on this race specifically is a good thing. Sir Prince Albert II of Monaco presenting Ricardo the trophy. Uh, I want to see if he sticks around and if he uh, joins the Shuey celebration with Ricardo. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure he's uh, that, that his lifestyle is conducive yeah. to drinking, out of, drinking out of a shoe. <laughs> Come on, Prince. <laughs> Yeah, so at the beginning of the race, Ricardo went 17 laps on those hypersofts, did not pit until lap 17. You know, I think that was great. Uh, all of those, like I said, the tires proved to be, you know, the strategy that they were really concerned with. They lasted well. Uh, one of the things is uh, Sergey started off before the race getting a 10-second stop-and-go penalty for his wheels not be, being fitted properly one minute before the start they have a time window that goes on and so it actually they start getting scrutinized around their activities even before they start their formation lap so it was one minute before that and he did not have his tires on certainly he doesn't have much control over that but that gained him a 10 second stop and go in the pits for that yeah obviously it was a, a slow pace today as you noticed i mean we uh we went almost the full two hours 
for this race today. Well, right about an hour and 50 minutes, but still slow pace for a good bit of the race. I think that uh, plays hand in hand into uh, going nearly 50 laps without a flag, yellow flag coming out, safety flags. And so I, I, I think they all kind of went on the cautious side of this, though uh, certainly it's still racing. They still were definitely pushing matters. There were a lot of things that uh, you know I saw that was interesting. Uh, Stroll complaining about blue flags being out there so often. Are we still racing here? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's uh, you know that was interesting to uh, hear that come through. There were a lot of blue flags. In fact, blue flags started so early in the race that was really lap eleven. We started seeing blue flags. That's way early. We usually don't see it to, you know, closer to halfway or more when the fast pace starts lap hitting the lap back traffic. Yeah. You talking about Stroll and Stroll saying that where he was saying his team was giving him orders in the radio and he goes, okay, look, I've got blue flags in my, you know, in, <laughs> in my visor and you in my ear telling me to go faster. Which is it? I, I can't even race. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hurry up and wait situation there that he just just can't. It's tough to manage. You got to do what your team says. You got the blue flags there. You got to give way to whoever it is that's faster that's coming up behind you. Yeah, he's saying basically, what's the point of racing blue flags? Speed up. What's the point? So, uh, what what's some of the other big stories? Less obviously with uh, with Alonzo out with a gearbox when when he, he first started slowing down. I was like, oh man, that is a Honda power unit, but. I still haven't heard the final, but he was saying gearbox, so hopefully it wasn't the Honda power unit. Correct, correct. Hopefully it was the gearbox. I hope Honda gets settled in their power delivery there. Uh, Alonzo deserves better than what the season has shown. Uh, Definitely it's an improvement over last year, but he's still working on it. Um, Big standout, signs giving way to Hulkenberg. Yeah, that's I got to say that that was a you that was know a good team. That's effort. a team effort there. Hulkenberg got by. Signs then kind of uh, hampered Max's progression for a little bit. You know who knows where that would have gone, but it gave Hulkenberg some elbow room to get up ahead of Max. So that was uh, that was great. Signs and Max having a great battle. You know to the point they both went bouncing over the curbs and had to give way. So. Uh, Lots of great racing today. All right, here's a quote from Ricardo. <clears throat> he says, this is right after the race. He says, I felt a loss of power, and I thought the race was done. He said, this was two years in the make, two years in the making. I finally feel like this is redemption. Yeah, he thought he was done. You could hear it in his voice when the power, when he felt a power problem and thought he was going to be done with the race again in Monaco. Champagne showers on the podium. Everybody is spraying. Everybody is especially turned on. Daniel Ricardo getting soaked, and he's just smiling, taking it now, spraying the audience below. That, uh, you know, we've told you before, we have uh, enjoyed following Daniel Ricardo from uh, the time he first got taken into the Red Bull team. Uh, just a super nice guy in person. That personality you see on TV and on the podium, that is Daniel Ricardo. He's uh, just as genuine and friendly as can be. We met him here at the United States Grand Prix in Austin when, uh, right when it was announced that uh, he was joining Red Bull. And he came in. It was just as friendly and excitable, and you were excited for him. And uh, 
it, it was like you were just included as part of this progression. Did you hear? Did you hear Christian Horner come on and very emotional and was saying to Daniel Ricardo, unbelievable, compared to Michael Schumacher when Schumacher was uh, stuck in fifth gear. So that's interesting coming from Horner, though, because think about it. Horner knows what's going on. He's he knows what the problem was. So to him, for him to compare it. That um, for him to compare it to that had to be whatever it was had to be pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, something to me just to see those, that kind of challenge. Think of it psychologically. All of the stress that's over that, from hearing that power drop in, you know, in the first 20 laps and then struggling and then getting into, you know, it was more than half the race left and he's still dealing with it. Can I keep going? Yeah, you're good. Just keep racing the way we are. It's going to be fine. And uh, all of that just building and dragging on him, how difficult that's got to be to cope with that. Like I said, hearing every little noise, feeling every extra bump. Yeah. Yes, sir. And led. So Daniel Ricciardo led every session and led every lap of the race. So this is the dream weekend finally for Daniel Ricciardo. Just watching a replay of Charles Leclerc hitting Brendan Hartley. Wow, that was a huge impact. And you could see that when he first hit the brakes, there was that puff of smoke. Right. That something in those brakes gave way because when he hit him, man, he was he didn't look like he was able to slow down at all. Yeah, it looked like it, you know, something gave. It completely locked up the other wheel and then was going up. It's shoey time, folks. Here we go. Uh-oh. Let's see. Okay, so he takes it himself. <sighs> And All righty, we'll, we'll uh, Lewis Hamilton up there out. with a little GoPro or something. Yeah, Did you see he, that? He's got that little GoPro session. <laughs> we'll have to watch and see who else gets a uh, drink out of the shoey. Uh, let's run down the top ten here: Daniel Ricciardo, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, Kimi Raikkonen, Valtteri Bottas, Ocon, Gasly, Hulkenberg, Verstappen, and Carlos Sainz. Top ten in Monaco. Yeah, the crowd's obviously screaming and yelling into the race. And, uh, and of course, like we mentioned, very little activity from the safety car today. Very unusual. It's 81% of Monaco Grand Prix end up with a safety car. Now, obviously, we, we did have one, and we are now in that statistic. But, but it was a pretty quiet race other than, other than that. Yeah, it was. Uh, glad to see it from a safety standpoint. Glad that uh, Hartley was able to walk away. That could have been a, a really bad situation, potentially the car landing on top of him. But uh, he actually made it back to the pit lane on his own power. So uh, very glad of that. You know, you mentioned something, how hard of a hit he took, and yet it the back wheel stayed on the car. L- you're right. It looked when... I thought for sure it was going to fly off. When, when Charles... That swerve to the right uh he he did take evasive moves to try to avoid hitting hartley hit the uh, right barrier came up and kind of climbed up i mean hitting hartley so hard car goes airborne on it uh i'm surprised it didn't take out more of that that was really a, a tough one all right i did see a picture on twitter you're gonna like less oh it is an adrian shuey <laughs> it's Adrian Newey <laughs> having a shoey. There we go. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I imagine there is some serious celebration going on. <laughs> And, of course, the driver, the official driver of the day is Daniel Ricardo. I don't know how you wouldn't give it to him. I know he had a great car. I don't know what was going on with the power unit, but you you got to give it to him no matter what. Well, you know, I will, you know, as much as I like Daniel, I, I don't necessarily agree with it going that the more I think about it. Because look at what Max did from last all the way up to ninth. He had a clean race. He had some good, serious battles. He and Signs had great battle, and it was clean. And, you know, yes, there were some racing bumps going on between them, but uh, I got to say, Max raced the way a veteran racer would race today. And that is what we need to see more of Max. You know, if you uh, heard Christian Horner before the race, his concern is about Max's ability to race cleanly and competitively without getting in trouble with these mistakes that, cost him a gear the gearbox put him back to the back row yeah yeah you're absolutely right and that's exactly you know this is a big step for max being able to fight his way from the back of the grid to ninth place and not have any incidents all right well let's go ahead and take our first break you're listening to speed city we are live in austin and we'll be back after these short messages The Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MB Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MB Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe, on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Talk Red Rocker, Sammy Hagar. You are listening to Speed City. Woo! Welcome back to Speed City. Just got through watching the Monaco Grand Prix. Daniel Ricardo, dominant weekend and won the race. And we were when we went to break, we were talking about Max Verstappen and how mature he was to finish the race today and didn't crash into anybody. I want to play a team radio that was during the race because... I, I pretty much sums up what I was saying about 10 minutes before they said it. It's like, you need to get on the ro- the phone and the radio and say to Max, 
Come on, man. Let's finish yeah, this race. Settle so, your horses, dude. So let's hear this <laughs> this uh, team radio right now. Okay, Max. So there's eight laps to go, including this one. Just make sure we keep everything clean and smooth at the moment. <laughs> everything clean and smooth. Let's finish the race, Max. Yeah. Let's don't crash the car. I mean, I look, I know he's a professional, but he is still a 21-year-old kid, you know, so... And he needed this. Uh, he needed to finish this race and needed to uh, and needed to show the team he could do it. Well, I, th- I think it was really, uh, you know, painful for him to sit there seeing qualifying take place, and he's, you know, sitting on the perch or sitting back in the garage watching it from someplace he's never been. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's been out there chasing it. So it, it's, uh, and he is, I mean, as, as much as we say these things about his youth and his, his uh, overexcitability and aggression, he's a phenomenally fast driver. It's just, you know, hard to see that happen to him and then take other drivers out, take your teammate out, uh, things of that nature, uh, that you know, that's going to come with uh, some some maturity, I think. He'll well, get that more so. Today's what you're supposed to do, Max. Yeah. Let's try it again next two weeks in Canada. Yeah, and yesterday, the Red Bull boss, Christian Horner, was saying Max Verstappen needs to stop making mistakes after he crashed in in, uh, in practice. And, you know, when the boss is saying that publicly – you you gotta you gotta pay attention. He to quote Horner. He said this place bites. He got bitten pretty hard today. And this was in practice, and he said in a session that doesn't really count for anything than setting up the car. And of course, because of that, like you're saying, the transmission had to be replaced, and he couldn't do he couldn't qualify. So it was a big deal, and I think that's why that Horner felt like he probably needed to come out and say it publicly. But he did it. He finished ninth and was able to finish the race in a very fast car. And, man, did he make quick work of the Haas F1 cars, what, on the first lap? I think he passed both Haas F1 cars. Yeah, he jumped and uh, took both those guys out of the way real quick. And, uh, you know, we knew Haas was staying back. You know, I I mean, honestly, if if I knew I wasn't going to be truly battling Max, do I really want to spend much time around him? I'll, you know, I'll step out of the room to let him pass through and <laughs> avoid being collected into the barrier with him or something, to be honest. Yeah, it's true. And I think that uh, I, I think this will be a, a race he can go back and look at and go, all right, I, I'm, I've shown that I can do this and uh, I can finish the race and I can still be competitive. I shouldn't say that because I know he's finished plenty of races. It's just... It's just she's had a bad run in 2018. But uh, so what else, Les? I do want, definitely want to touch on the Haas cars because it was a very disappointing day. And I think they were probably pretty lucky to finish where Magnuson did at 13th and and just did not look did not look fast all weekend. I mean, I, I, again, nice to see Grosjean finish the race because he's had a couple of a couple of rough weeks up leading up to this. But I'm happy to see our Americans uh, get it together for the for the end of the weekend here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I uh, I kind of feel like you know, as Mercedes looked at this race as not being a Mercedes race for them, and that they would survive it and take their lumps for the win of the entire season. I kind of wonder if Haas 
you know, uh, might not have kind of taken the same mode of this is a race we just got to survive. It's, uh, you know, we're clearly not going to win. Let's uh, just survive it, potentially get some points, you know, in in the back end of the points. But uh, I don't know. I, I kind of not surprised the way they started off talking. And knowing that this is not a, a, a venue that they want to risk. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think the fact that they they probably just said, let's let's get out of here. We're going to go to Canada in two weeks and we're going to get a new power unit upgrade from Ferrari. Yep. And let's get out of here and, you know, not not cost the team a bunch of time putting cars back together. And, you know, they didn't get points, didn't expect them to. I don't think they expected to to get points either. Yeah, I, I think it was a survival mode. So uh, I, I like that um, as as an overall season approach. This was survival only. Yep. So what about some of the uh, – so there's some other stories that were – when we were coming into the weekend, you know, there's some things that get overlooked during the week of Monaco because of that. Because Monaco is Monaco, and there's been some other stories too. And uh, unless I want you to, you had one of them, and you had talked about it. Basically, how to spice up some of the action on the track. And I know that story. Yeah, is one it's that really you were following. Uh, it's really interesting. Some of the ideas that uh, they've talked about, and and some of them are downright silly, quite honestly. But uh, how to spice up the activity on the track and really make it show better for spectators that are at the event how do you get this to be even more exciting for them and uh you know there's a lot of things that they they talk about you know there's activities on on the campgrounds or excuse me on the grounds for you to come into there are other activities during the races that should make it have you know it's just one of those things there was even somebody that suggested that they have a random spraying of water on the track. <laughs> okay, now that's ridiculous. Thank you. That's the one that I'm, I feel like Wait, is who just... who said that? Hopefully uh, that was just these, somebody tweeting yeah, at somebody's, them. you know, out there trying to want to learn how to shake things up. Let's let's add some sprinklers yeah. into this. And so, uh, you know, I think that's silly. Uh, what do we do to improve turns? Well, we're talking aerodynamics for next year. Some, some change or... Uh, passes we're talking aerodynamics for next year um i i would like to revisit some of the things such as qualifying how are we gonna what are we gonna do to make qualifying even more exciting rather than just the last five laps of q3 well i think the cars need to stay out there more and how about an average lap time of your entire qualifying session it's more appropriate for the race you didn't go lightweight and do whatever it is to knock out one single lap. You showed us what your race pace is going to be like. And then we say, this is how many laps you're expected to run in qualifying. You know, we expect you to turn four hot laps in this qualifying session. And so your combined lap time of all those of your qualifying will be divided at least by four laps and uh, build it that way. I like the idea of it keeps you out there. We don't have people sandbagging or going back into the garage and waiting just to go out there to throw one hot lap out. Uh, I like that idea. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I would agree. I do like the way qualifying because right now, because you're going to see they put everything into that that last Q3, that last lap. 
I mean, maybe there's, you know, because there's been other motorsports that give some credit of some sort to to a, yeah. a scenario like you're describing. But, man, I, I do like that where you're going to see how fast can this car go. Give me the best tires. Give me the best suspension yeah, setups. Just, just we have very out. little fuel, the lightest possible weight. I want to see that fastest. I mean, think how much, how exciting it was when Ricardo yesterday set that lap time. You know, it was a track record and did it in, in the scenario that I'm describing. In other words, the fastest possible everything on the car, the, the, aero, the aero settings, the fuel settings, the tire settings, everything. And of course, party mode if you've got it. <laughs> and so I think I, I, I would stick to that for as far as the, uh, the number one way to set the grid. All righty. Uh, I would I would like to see, uh, you know, and, and this one a lot of folks have addressed is uh, how do you get more money into the back of the grid? Yeah. Those are the folks that really need it. That may be the biggest challenge in Formula One, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's one of those things that, you know, there's there's a lot of different approaches and folks have been trying to get it. Um, honestly, don't know. What if we, you know, it, to do an all-out, uh, going back to qualifying, to do an all-out, no bars, no speed bars, run. Speed, yeah. yeah. What about like Indy cars? Indy 500 this month. We saw one car out on the course at a time. It's a clean course that you're by yourself and you run it. There's no drafting. There's no using your teammate or, you know, interfering with somebody else's laps that way. I'm uh, I'm not sure I'm wild about that uh, that approach. Um, although you do get the benefit of seeing everything thrown in on this for a fast lap. Uh, let's go ahead and take our next break, and when we come back, I'm going to cover the new driver standings and the championship standings because Mr. Ricardo's moving up the grid in the championship standings. Listen to Speed City live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. The Austin East KOA Campground, just 15 minutes from Circuit of the Americas and downtown Austin, and just two minutes from the Travis County Expo Center and Central Texas Fishing in Decker Lake, featuring amenities for every style of camping, from tent sites to luxury RV pull-throughs and cabins, plus a pool, showers, and laundry. Nestled in tall oak trees on the edge of the hill country, all the pleasures of the Lone Star State await you at Austin East KOA. To make your reservation, visit austineastkoa.com. The racetrack. It's where legends are born. Where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce Motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey. Because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Talk 1370. Hi there, my name's Derek Bell. This is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. Monaco Grand Prix, Daniel Ricardo, your winner today, dominant all weekend, crazy fast all weekend. 
until his power unit did decided it wasn't going to give him all the power about the last half of the race, but he still won the race. He did a great job of managing his tires, and we'll go into that in just a minute. But I want to touch on the championship standings because when we went to break, I said we'd do that because Mr. Ricardo has moved up into third. It's Lewis Hamilton right now in first with 110 points. Yeah. Sebastian Vettel, 96, not far behind. And Daniel mm. Ricardo now with 72 points. I love it. Three different teams. Yeah, that's, the, that's great. It's been a while since we saw that so cleanly, but uh, I love it. You know, talking about Ricardo, though, he was out alone by himself. He didn't have the benefit that Vettel had with Raikkonen a little ways back. He didn't have the benefit of Botas and Ham being able to pair up and work strategies. It was really, uh, it was all about Ricardo. He grabbed it, he kept the pole, and he stayed out front. Uh, without really any contest except his own power delivery through the entire race. And so uh, a lot of things going for him. It's it's really, you know, the further you look at this drive that Daniel Ricardo had, the more outstanding it was. Yep. And so the constructor standings right now, Mercedes 178, Ferrari 156, and Red Bull 107. And, and the midfield is interesting, too, here. we got Renault at 46 in fourth place, McLaren... 40 points in fifth place. Force India, Toro Rosso, and then Haas in eighth. And Kevin Magnussen is in 10th place in the constructor standing. So that sixth place finish a couple weeks ago is uh, has kept him in the running. But two weeks, we got Canada. And this is going to be interesting because I touched on this earlier, but this is where you get a lot of engine upgrades. And in fact, the Ferrari customers which includes our Americans in Haas F1, are going to get some some significant upgrades. And, of course, Canada being a little faster track than Monaco, aren't they all, uh, will be able to take advantage of of that. And so that'll be interesting to see. It will. It will. You know, it's uh, the temperatures are good in Canada at this time. And uh, so a little bit cooler than what they've been dealing with, uh, you know, is a possibility. So we'll see what that does. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about a couple of things, and my thoughts are still just about stabilizing Haas. Getting yeah. this regular performance, uh, no excuses. Same thing for Fernando Alonso. Poor guy, Gearbox today went out. It was like, it seems like things start stabilizing, and then something else pops up. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it's, I mean, you don't want to see... That instability, but uh, obviously with us being American fans, it's it's sad for us. But hey, hey but the brakes work right on Haas this year. Thank well, you. that's true. We have had good <laughs> brakes. We haven't had Roman Grosjean on the radio about brakes this year. But you know, one thing I want to talk about is Red Bull here. How they have they, they the beginning of the season up to now has not been uh, it's not been perfect. It's not been horrible. I mean, look, they've been obviously in the hunt for a lot of these, but. Well, if you took Max out of it, uh, it might be a little better. <laughs> but yeah, I just want to talk about some of the chassis changes and stuff. The you know, it's they did a major revamp in Spain, and and obviously after today, uh, in this environment, it looks incredible. I do want to see what's going to happen to Red Bull in Canada and and moving forward in races that are going to require less downforce. Uh, that in it, and the penalty that comes with downforce. I want to see what these guys can do in the in the high speed tracks like Canada. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. And because they've made some changes, the aerodynamics in the little winglets and all those things. And there's some good articles on Formula One dot com that go into the the changes in the uh, 
in what's happened with Red Bull. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I'm hoping to see Red Bull develop some top end speed. Uh, I feel like that's where they're lacking is keeping up with that. That has been uh, kind of the Achilles heel there. And if we can get that, uh, you know, if we see Red Bull get that under control, I think they are in contention to really just be a thorn in the side of Mercedes and Ferrari this year. Hey, producer said we just we got an interview with uh, Max Verstappen that uh, that we going to want to hear. So let's let's go ahead and play that interview and see what Max said after the race. Yes, I heard he had a problem after the race. Um, so yeah, of course it's it's tough. Of course, this track is I think the best to have a problem uh, because you can't really overtake. And luckily we have a good car with traction and stuff. But of course, you know it's never easy. Um, if you have a car the whole race behind you, you know pressuring you. But of course, I think Daniel is uh, you know experienced enough to handle that, and uh, he did a great job today. Man, he sounds like a mature teammate talking yeah. good about his his teammate and <clears throat> good man, Max. Glad to hear it. All right. So, what else, Les? We've got some other stories that I wanted to cover today that we were that were brewing in the background while Monaco was happening, and uh, some of those were talking about how uh, one of the stories I really liked was how Aston Martin's engine project is getting a little momentum there. Have you have you heard a little bit about this story? Not a great deal. You know, it's, it's somewhat mum, but tell us what you got. Well, I was just reading about uh, the, the, the boss of uh, Aston Martin, Andy Palmer, says the company expects to make a decision whether to proceed with its Formula One engine plan in the next few, to, few months. He said, I think he said six to nine months. But wouldn't that be awesome to have another engine manufacturer in Formula One? And Aston Martin, heck yeah. I mean, they're obviously involved with Red Bull now. Uh, but I think that would be... I think it'd be a great move on a couple of fronts. For one, if they can build an engine and have it competitive, because as we're seeing right now, Renault is is not perfect. Uh, but if they could do that and be competitive, wouldn't it be great to have that name in deeper into F1? Absolutely agree. I, I think, you know, having Aston Martin come back to this level of motorsports would be fantastic. I got to say, uh, and you probably know where I'm going, there's one other brand that does phenomenal with little motors and, you know, winning like, what, 24 Hours of Le Mans and 24 of Daytona and uh, Porsche. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's time that, uh, you know, since they're not doing FIA WEC, uh, what are you doing, guys? Are you all quietly behind the curtain with all your nerds in white coats putting together a wicked F1 motor? They're saying we are building the world's best handling cars. That's what they're saying. And they, and they do. So, yeah, you could, you could argue that. But, man, wouldn't that be awesome to have Porsche in Formula One? I, I think the fact that they are part of that uh, engine design and the engine uh, regulation or regulatory group I think that says a good thing about it. I cannot imagine the FIA bringing them in to just hear their opinions. I think they brought them in to say, what do you think and what would it take for y'all to come join the party? Yeah. Because there's a lot of knowledge that's not getting proliferated into other racing right now from the Porsche crowd. And they were so dominant in FIA WEC for a few years. I think F1's just a, an easy conversation. Yeah, it, it may be a pipe dream for Aston Martin. Who knows? But 
for Porsche, you would think that that could easily happen. Uh, and I mean, look, any more, any additional man, engine manufacturers uh, would be awesome. And obviously, I would love to see an American engine manufacturer. I would love to see Americans deeper into F1. Obviously, with Liberty, that's great. But I want to see more Americans behind the wheel and more Americans involved directly in the sport. And, you know, you got IndyCar coming up. Chevrolet. With all the Chevrolets that were in the top yeah. 10 at, of qual for IndyCar, hey, guys, seriously, what would it take for you to get in and do this? Now, you know, a few years ago, Nissan did this little gee whiz 90-pound engine that made 400 horsepower out of one point nothing liters, I think it was. And so, uh, you know, Nissan's another one. Seriously, y'all did all of this. I mean, you know, unfortunately, that little one point whatever liter engine never materialized anywhere. But, uh, you know, who knows? It may have been tinfoil, but it made 400 horsepower at least once for the dyno. I am I'm ready to see, you talk about Chevrolet and IndyCar, I'm ready to see Chevrolet step up. Uh, I got my, I, I was at the airport the other day and I went and picked up, a, I saw the new car driver on the shelf and it said the new, it showed a uh, picture on the cover. Of the You new, had to have been salivating, Mr. Well, Corvette, a, history well, man. Yeah, it was the new, it was the new mid-engine Corvette that's still not officially announced by Chevrolet, but car and driver's on the story pretty good. And they had the new magazine. Yeah, yeah. So I was rushing to get on the plane. So I said, oh, great, this is going to be some good plane reading. I snatched it up and I I start, I was reading some of the articles and I kind of saved the Corvette article and I flipped the, and I started reading it and I flipped the page and they, there was an error in the magazine and it didn't even, it showed half of the car. So all I got was half of the car. So I was like, is this really? So you got half the info? <laughs> yeah, I also got actually half of the info too because it was part of the. Well, well John. You you look back into the early 80s. The Corvette line specifically has been doing this since the 80s. Hey, there's going to be a mid-engine. It's going to be next. And then they go silent. So you just saw it in print the same <laughs> yeah, way. That's exactly right. It's been the unicorn that, is, that has been sought after, but it's probably ever never going to happen. Anyway, long story short, I'd love to Can see. Can we call that a challenge to Corvette <laughs> to come prove to you that there is a mid-engine Corvette here? Bring it to Austin, Texas. We, we got this neat little kind of. Not exactly round to round track. It's got a uh, twenty curves in it, but <laughs> let's see it there. Yeah, I wouldn't mind taking the new Corvette out on Circuit of the Americas. That'd be all right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and and then when we come back, we're going to continue a little more Monaco coverage, a little more Formula One stories. We are Speed City. We're in Austin, Texas, and we'll be back after these messages. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe, on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. 
Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 Envy Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Talk 1370. This is Johnny Rutherford, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back. We're here in Austin. Finished up the Monaco Grand Prix. Daniel Ricardo, amazing race, amazing weekend. Mr. Johnny Rutherford, good Texan for one, Indy yeah. 500 winner. He kind of knows his way around that track. We got to talk about Miami again. Uh, there's always a little bit more coming up. Uh, there's some things going in there. John, you had uh, mentioned that there are two other venues wanting to play poker like Miami's playing poker with Formula One. That is a perfect way to put this. They want the, they want a Miami deal. But So a couple of stories came out this week. Hockenheim says the deals of its current term with F1 cannot continue if it agrees if it is to agree to a new contract, continue to host the German Grand Prix. And, of course, I guarantee, you know, everybody, as soon as this Miami story hit where there's a possibility – of a little different arrangement, every circuit, including probably Circuit of the Americas, our friends down the road. Oh, I would expect so. I guarantee everybody sat up and went, well, hey, wait, 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 what about us? Because traditionally what's been has been done in the past is... Pay me now and pay me later, too. Pay me now and pay me a lot, and then you figure out how to make money. <laughs> well, so the... And none of this is solidified yet. We had the mayor of Miami, Miami on a couple of weeks ago. And never got a, you know, there she's basically saying this is still all in negotiations. But bottom line is, is that the, the rumors is that Miami is looking at a deal where they would more have more of a partnership with Formula One, where right. they they share expenses and share profits. That kind of I don't obviously nobody knows the details. Okay, yet. so so how do you think that's going to impact a potential fan or an existing fan? You know, that's a really good question. I hadn't even thought about it from that standpoint because... That's what we want. Now, we, you know... Yeah, you know, we, we There want... was a video, you know, way back when Circus of America was being built and, you know, a woman talking about this was country out here. And uh, I can say that authentically. So, <laughs> that this was just country. This wasn't city. It wasn't developed like it. You know, it was ranch land. It was farmland out where Circus of America is, you know. And that was something that was very different. There were people... They were also interviewed and said, you know, they're wanting $100 to go to the race. And he goes, when I can go to NASCAR for, you know, 29. And it's like, well, you're right. It's it's a very different level of competition. NASCAR puts on a great entertainment spectacle itself as well as Indy 500. But Formula One is different. Do we want it to be available to Six Pack Joe? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't think you... Not not to... I mean, no matter what you and I say here, it's always had an exclusivity about it. Yeah, and when they're filling... It's Circuit of the Americas last couple of years when you've got 265,000 people over three days uh, and most of the races around the world do well. I don't think you want to look at changing in that direction. But yeah, could Formula One, could a partnership format like they're talking about with Miami 
make that a little more interesting. I don't know what that looks like, but Hockenheim maybe uh, was you know the, Joe Craft Beer guy yeah. will come. <laughs> maybe not Six Pack Joe, but but uh, I think the fan experience needs to benefit from this deal. Not just that the venue and the promoters are making more money. I think the fan experience needs to be a, a benefactor of it. Yeah, and Hockenheim has basically said the same thing. And so has Azerbaijan. They're basically, they're all now going to say it, but these two have come out in the last... Well, I think that's excellent all the way around. Yeah. I mean, you know, we hear of, you know... Rolling Stones on tour around the world. Oh, it was a great set. They did this. They did that, you know, et cetera. Well, cool. When they come to my area, I want to go. Well, that's what I want everybody in the world doing for Formula One is when it comes to your area, I want you to say it by all means. You know, I met a young kid yesterday, Stephen, neat kid. We were at a swim meet, but he was wearing a uh, Marquez cap from MotoGP. And I asked him, I said, hey, did you go to MotoGP this year? He goes, I did. It was my first time. It was great. Marquez won, on and on and on. He goes, and I think Dad's taking me to Formula One this yeah. year. And I said, well, I hope to hear you there. All right. Well, we we now, I just got a note from the producer that Mr. Jonathan Green has joined us live from the Indianapolis. Mr. Green, how's it going up there? That's pretty good. Yeah, it's a beautiful day up here in Indianapolis at the Indy 500. Well, we have just watched Mr. Daniel Ricardo have a dominant performance in Monaco, and I'm certain that everybody's out there getting ready to get on the sofa and find their spot for the Indy 500. Yeah, I don't think it's as predictable here. I really don't. Uh, there's a, a few things that have been thrown into the works, which is hot weather, uh, humidity, and this new aero package, which, although designed to bring these guys closer, seemingly hasn't quite done the the trick. So they had a practice on Friday and carb day, and nobody could really pass properly. So we're looking at tire degradation, mistakes, and lifting off for the possibility of real passing. Um, that said, hey, it's Sunday. Anything can happen. <laughs> it's Sunday at the Indy 500. Well, so Jonathan, I know we got Ed Carpenter on the pole, but who else is looking good down there, or I should say up there, since you're in Indy and we're in Austin? But what's it looking like? Any uh, any predictions? Any any news from the paddock? Well, I think you've got to look at Penske. Penske have got all four cars in the hunt, and I think they're going to do just that. I think they're going to hunt in packs. I think oh. they're going to work together. Oh, yeah. 52 uh, years for Penske this year. Grand Prix. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they're very strong. Will Powell won the Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago. Um, if you want to look outside that, Scott Dixon is always and ever, and I think this will be a strategy race, so I think Scott Dixon's got to be one of the favorites. But then, you know, if you want to look outside that, uh, Munoz is, is a guy that's been runner-up here and is coming in almost for a one-off. He could well be a factor. And a lot of, I talked to Dario Franchitti yesterday. He said Munoz. And uh, so too did Scott Goodyear. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting guys. Uh, and then there's our good friend Alex Rossi, who's back at the back, but should be ninth on the grid. So watch out for him. Yeah, it'd be nice to see Alexander Rossi do well again after having uh, such a nice close relationship over the years with him. But, well, Jonathan, so I wonder if this heat and humidity 
uh, have any effect on, you know, because they've spent all this this engineering and dollars and everything else getting the arrow on the Indy cars to where they are more competitive. Has there been any talk of the of that of the heat? You know, you know, I don't I'm not an aerodynamicist, but uh, is there any talk of that affecting that? What's going on with that? To be honest, it's been hot all through the month of May. Everybody's been laughing here in Indiana about the fact that it went from winter to summer without any spring. So it's 90 degrees here. It's very, very hot. And the biggest thing will be the tire degradation because of the aero package. In other words, the aero package uh, obviously gives them downforce and brings them closer together. But it also goes, it rips through the tires as well. So what we're thinking is that if you're trying to overtake somebody, you wait until, um, you know, their tires go off. Because in this heat, they will. Um, and so that's, that's, that's basically one of the factors. Chevrolet are the fastest in a straight line. And that's why the pole position, etc., cetera, has been all Chevrolet. But Honda seem to have a better fuel, uh, you know, prediction in terms of length of laps. So you may see Honda going l- longer. But... Um, so, therefore, the overtakes are going to come at the end of stints. But, boy, it's going to be a last 40 laps of sheer brilliance, I reckon, in typical indie style. Well, Jonathan, did you get to get in front of a television this morning at all to see any of the Monaco Grand Prix and any of the excitement with, with Daniel Ricciardo doing just a completely dominant performance? I know. You know, it, it was almost predicted, wasn't it? I mean, I mean, we know he's good, and Monaco is one of those places, but... Everybody was saying, even Hamilton was saying, hey, we've got to watch out for them Red Bulls. And boy, did they perform. I loved it. Um, yeah, I mean, fantastic stuff. And just what Ricardo needed to get his championship. I mean, it's so funny. You know, in the last few years, we've never talked about Ricardo as a championship contender because of Mercedes' dominance. But I reckon that if he can keep this up and, you know, and Red Bull and Adrian Newey can perform the way they should perform, there's no reason why he can't turn this into Canada and, you know, and on and on and Austria and France and Britain. And why not? You know, we were talked about it right before we got you on the air. He's now third in the championship standings. Daniel Ricciardo is. So, yeah, he's got he's now got some uh, he's, he's you know, he's been lingering down there just close enough. And after winning a race now puts him within striking distance of uh, Hamilton and Vettel for the championship standings. So, yeah, wouldn't that be? A, a really amazing turn if we could get him fighting for the championship. Well, and, and I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but let's face it. I mean, he needs to be runner-up or winner of the championship this year because Verstappen has clearly made his bed and he's laying in it in Red Bull. So Ricardo is either going to go out the blaze of glory and head to Ferrari, or he's you know he, he really needs to make this season win, and he certainly needs to beat Verstappen. Because this, if, if Verstappen finishes ahead of him in the points, all bets are off. So I think that this is a massive season for Tato because he needs to perform and, and he needs to maintain his status as the one that everybody wants. He's not going to Mercedes. He may go to Ferrari, may stay at Red Bull, but he needs to be in the top three all through the season. Well, the other big story is that Max Verstappen finished the race. He did not crash into anybody. I don't even think he rubbed tires with anybody all day. He and Sainz were as close as it came. And, uh, yeah, they did. I think they did have contact at one point or at least very near it. 
But uh, great competitive race with those two going at it together. Hey, Jonathan, I got to ask you, we've got the 102nd running of the IndyCar, Indy 500. We had the, just got through with the 76th running of the Monaco Grand Prix. I mean, this is the greatest day in racing. And you're right there in the heart of it at Indy 500. I mean, what's the... What's the feeling there right now? It's got to be electric. Oh, the atmosphere is absolutely fantastic. I mean, 350,000 people in one stadium, and that's before a a wheel has turned. They were coming in here since 6 o'clock this morning. Uh, Incredible. And it's a beautiful day here in Indiana. There's still some speculation as to just how strong the brand is, but for my money... The Indianapolis 500 is as strong as ever. Uh, you've got some great stories throughout. They're making a movie about Scott Dixon. You've got Elio Castro Neves coming back to try and win a fourth. And guess what? His spotter is one and only Rick Mears, who has won four races. You've got A.J. Foyt, who won four races. And it's got Tony Canaan and a kid, watch out for him, uh, Mateus List from Brazil. And I think this kid's going all the way. I love him. He's 19 years old. He's in his first Indy 500. You've got Jack Harvey, uh, who is sponsored by SiriusXM and AutoNation, in his second uh, race, uh, who's looking good and confident. There's so many great stories. Well, Jonathan, we gotta, we got to wrap it up, buddy. We are, we are out of time. And we appreciate everybody tuning in today, and we will talk to you next week. Ciao, y'all. Spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.